Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is season 4 episode 87 of this daily study podcast. Thank you so much for joining us once again today as we continue with our study of this week's Come Follow Me materials. We are looking in Exodus chapters 1 to 6 in the week of uh, March the 21st to March the 27th and today we are going to uh, continue and conclude Exodus, 20, uh, Exodus 2 uh, in which Moses has now fully grown uh, and he sees uh, an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew. Now we have to understand a little bit behind the language of these words here. Uh, it says in verse 11, uh, and it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked upon their burdens and he spied an Egyptian smiting an Hebrew one of his brethren. Now, a couple of things here. First of all, we to get a bit of context in our story, it's important to look at uh, the, the Hebrew behind the word smiting. Uh, the Hebrew word uh, for smiting in this verse is uh, narkar or nokar which means to strike um, lightly or literally, meaning to beat. Uh, so it is a, a physical violent word, which means to, to hit or to smite, okay? Now, I'm going to come back to this word in our car in a minute, but the other thing I want to point out is uh, the phrase, one of his brethren. One of the questions we sometimes wonder when we're looking at this story of Moses is how much did he know about his history, his ancestry, um, and it would indicate, I think, here that he was aware, if he knew that the Egyptian was smiting a Hebrew, one of his brethren, that he knew he was related or linked in some way to the Hebrew people. Um, and perhaps even that um, he had feelings or thoughts about um, their bondage. And for example, um, in the next verse, of course, he wants to stop this, this smiting. And I'm sure this is not something which was a you know, just a unique occurrence that happened here. I'm sure it happened fairly regularly uh, under the, the slavery in Egypt. And so uh, clearly he had feelings about this uh, type of action. In verse 12, it says, And he looked this way and that way, and when he saw there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Now, obviously, uh, this uh, reaction has caused uh, questions and uh, concerns, perhaps, about the character of Moses. Uh, but what you, what is interesting is when you see the word slew, the Egyptian, if you look at the, the Hebrew roots of the word slew, it is also nakar, uh, which is the word which was used in the previous verse to smite. And then when you move forward into the next verse and um, you have the two Hebrews working together and um, asking, wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? Again, they use the word nakar, so it's now not using the word slay, but smite. And then, uh, in verse 14, uh, intendest thou to kill me as thou killedst the Egyptian. Um, and the word for kill here is not nakar, it is harag, which means uh, a word which means to smite with deadly intent. Um, and... This was also used, uh, for example, with uh, Cain when he slew Abel. And it's also used in the next verse uh, when Pharaoh seeks to slay Moses. Again, it's the harag word, which is, again, a much more um, malicious, a much more a, a word which intends a dead, a, like, to murder. 
Uh, and this, I think, is very interesting. So it suggests to me that Moses did not intend to kill the Egyptian, um, that he smote him uh, in, in order to stop him from smiting the Hebrew. But it seems that there was almost an accidental uh, element uh, to the death of the Egyptian in verse 12. And then, of course, as the word gets out, Moses fears for his life and he flees from the face of Pharaoh uh, and he dwells in the land of Midian um, or in the presence or from the presence of Pharaoh. Um, so this is um, where we find Moses. And just to also put into context the, the, the way the route he went and the journey he took to get to Midian, um, you'll see that he will have had to have fled across hostile desert terrain. And of course, that makes sense, because in other directions he would have gone. Egypt were, was the power in that land, not just in Egypt, but in the land surrounding as well. And so um, he had to go across the hostile desert to get away from that influence. And it's likely he travelled around 400 to 500 miles. Now, of course, this is dealt with in one verse in our uh, scriptures, and so we don't quite get... Uh, this a sense of the journey that he had to take and how exhausted and how um, dehydrated and hungry he must have been. But uh, we find him uh, at the at the well uh, with the seven daughters of, Midi of the priests of Midian. Now we know, of course, this priest of Midian to be, to be Jethro. Uh, in the Bible dictionary about Jethro, it says, uh, also called Jetha and Ruel, a prince and a priest of Midian, who gave Moses a home after his flight from Egypt and afterward became his father-in-law. It was from Jethro that Moses received the Melchizedek priesthood. He also gave Moses some practical advice about his administrative delegation of responsibility. Um, Jethro is a descendant of Abraham. Uh, and so you can see again the Lord placing uh, and directing the, the pieces along of the puzzle uh, along the way. Uh, to have uh, the de descendants of Abraham who held the Melchizedek line of authority from Abraham to be placed in this part in Egypt, which was far away enough from Egypt from uh, from their influence and authority, but was close enough for Moses to travel to get there. Um, and they meet, you know, in a meeting of coincidence, uh, some may say, but of course we know it is far more than coincidence that he meets him. And develops that relationship and obviously him being a, a priest and a high priest um we're, we're, it's, he's mentioned of later um this is a clear direction for moses to be able to come under the the tutelage of him and to learn more of god uh, or, or the god of his fathers which of course in egypt uh, he would not have received as much of he will have been raised with the the gods of Egypt. During this time, again, of around 40 years it is that Moses uh, spends this time with Jethro and is a shepherd in his land. Um, the king of Egypt uh, that we were discussing before dies um, and the the slavery, the, the workload uh, of the Hebrews, of the Israelites, uh, increases during this time um, and he... Um, and there is great suffering, even more suffering. Uh, and then we notice that uh, God decides to take action in this moment. And in verse 3, uh, we have the, the beginning of the, the, flame, the burning bush episode. So we know that um, Moses is watching over the flocks. 
And again, it's interesting that just kind of the parallel of Moses uh, looking after the flock in the desert. I mean, this is something he will be doing for the rest of his life, but obviously it's not going to be a flock of sheep he's going to be caring for, but of uh, children of God. And one day, and what I like about this is that, um, and this can apply very much to us, it's in our day-to-day tasks that we do diligently and we do with um, the right spirit and the right uh, intent, uh, and being prepared to receive such things that we receive revelation. Often, sometimes, it's, it, and very often, it cannot be, it may not be on our knees, but just as we go about our day-to-day tasks, as long as we are in tune with and listening for the Spirit, um, then we receive guidance in those moments. We'll talk more about the bush itself, the, the burning bush, and of course, the, the message that Moses receives from the, the Lord God uh, tomorrow. So thank you so much for listening today. Hope you've enjoyed this study. Thank, uh, please do join our Facebook group, Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me. And uh, until we meet again.